Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. My dear sisters and brothers, we are finally here. Uh, welcome to Radio Resistance. Uh, my name is Kumel, and I'll be hosting this uh, podcast along with my dear brother Zubair. Uh, Salam Zubair John, how are you doing? Salam Kumel John, I'm doing good, alhamdulillah. Uh, yeah, it's good to finally be here. It took us a little a bit to get started. Um, I know we got busy over the last few months with other things we were working on. Uh, the month of Ramadan came, but um, you know we're here now. Uh, good things come to those who wait. So, uh, inshallah, let's get started. Let's get right into it. Let's do it, brother. Afghanistan. Um, so, um, I believe the um, best place to start would be um august last august august 15th specifically um that's the infamous date that's on everybody's minds when the word of one son is brought up today so um perhaps it's a good idea for us to start with a brief summary of what's actually happened in Afghanistan. what happened in august what's happened from august till now um you sure. want to provide us a summary yeah, let's let's uh, discuss that. Um, so basically, the way I would um, describe it to someone, let's say at work, uh, when someone comes up to me and, and asks me where I'm from, or uh, if I meet someone at a function or something, they'll say, where are you from? And I tell them Afghanistan. Um, they'll say, oh, Afghanistan, well, uh, how's the situation there? Or like, uh, during those, at least during those early weeks uh, in August, they would say, well, well, what happened? They'll say, what happened? Um, so how I would explain it is that basically the, the Taliban on August 15th uh, took over uh, Kabul specifically, which means uh, that's the capital. And the weeks, the days before that, they had taken over uh, basically most of the other provinces. And the country has been essentially taken over by the Taliban. And uh, the, the word taken over though is uh questionable uh it's a misnomer actually the country the 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 more proper way to to say it would be that the country was handed over to the taliban um because uh, there was not much of a of a actual fight when they would enter each one of these provinces when they took over kabul they just they marched right in um we'll get into that how how this was basically a, a conspiracy where um, uh, the the president himself fled on August fifteenth, and therefore, the chain of command, uh, basically telling the the army and and whatnot, um, uh, to to stand down. Therefore, uh, it was a, a handover essentially. But uh, what's what's been happening, and we we saw um during those early weeks, specifically when uh the U.S. pulled out their their final troops on August thirty first. We saw the chaos, um, those scenes at the airport, um, uh, and then that—that's basically the state that the country has been in ever since. It's just a, a state of uh, chaos and and anarchy throughout the country. There is no uh, rule of law. There is there's it's it's um, essentially the country has been taken over uh, by a terrorist uh, organization, um, and. What the main the main takeaway is that the, the Taliban have not changed. Uh, if I were to tell someone, um, you know, how's the situation, I'd be like, oh, you, you remember the Taliban in 1996 or 2001? Uh, you remember how they were? Do you remember them in the past 20 years of their insurgency, the, the <laughs> state of Afghanistan? That's literally the, it's the exact same thing. Nothing has changed in terms of governance, um, in terms of their like how they're ruling, the exact same way. Um, if anything, it's it's gotten worse um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, like their policies and then their ideology. Exactly the same from the past twenty years. It's terrorists and idea, terrorists and ideology, and and their practices. Uh, we saw it during those first few days. Um, those first few, right when when after August fifteenth, we saw them conducting like military parades, like celebrating, right? And in those military parades, we saw, um, for example, them showing off all their weapons that they used in the past 20 years, uh, specifically suicide bombs, IEDs, 
basically mm-hmm. they were like on the loudspeaker and and there was translations to these videos subtitles on the bottom saying this is our infamous like uh, suicide vest that we use to defeat the occupiers when in reality those suicide vests killed thousands upon thousands of uh, innocent uh, civilians and uh, soldiers who were just defending the country but mainly civilians uh, we saw you know for anyone who's not aware uh, 20 years of just and we'll go into this but 20 years of, of straight up terrorism uh, where countless civilians yeah. were killed by this group yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, in, in relation to what you just said about the um, military parades, I remember the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a headline. Um, I read the article, and uh, what there was a shortage. There was a shortage of fuel, of gasoline, mm-hmm. and um, ambulances were not able to reach those in need. Yet, mm-hmm. this goes to show us what the Taliban's priorities were, um, and they. Uh, conducted uh, those military parades on the same day that uh, many of the first responders uh, were not able to reach those in need. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. um, that shows you uh, how their priorities uh, were put in place. Definitely. And then, um, what else was I going to say uh, in terms of uh, you know, if I was to explain someone to, to someone what. Ha- what's going on and, and how the the situation is the taliban haven't changed uh we mentioned their terrorist ideology is ongoing um they one of the things that they promised to the world was uh they will respect human rights right uh we clearly see that they're violating human rights that's one of mm-hmm. the, the main things uh during those first few days it's like right from the beginning they didn't even attempt to like to show them, to show the world, the cameras that like, hey, look, we we, we got to pretend like we're, we're different this time. No, no, no. Like it was all over social media during those first few days con- ongoing up to today. Uh, in in Kabul, in the middle of like intersections, you have these Taliban soldiers in, in every province, but specifically the cameras where you would see it in Kabul, where they're at like an intersection and there'd be like a, a woman young girl crossing the street maybe her scarf wasn't fully covering her face or something like that and when the taliban would see her crossing he would just be whipping her as as she's walking by uh these were the exact scenes that we saw in 96 to 01 uh we saw in different provinces uh like the the stonings um just the fl- the floggings for supposedly like a man um supposedly not having a beard or on accusation of committing adultery therefore they they go out and they they stone uh a man a young man or woman uh so these are violations of human rights right in the the 21st century um the other thing they mentioned was they promised was an inclusive government right uh they they promised inclusivity uh but we saw when they announced their cabinet in i think it was mid to late september it was a cabinet of all men uh, their own men. It's not like, oh, they chose, uh, they elected uh, certain men from different ethnic groups and uh, religious groups uh, throughout the country. No, no. They specifically chose their own uh, Taliban members who are essentially all former Guantanamo Bay inmates and, and uh, people who are on the like FBI wanted lists with bounties on their heads. These terrorists became... The, this government, this this cabinet that they're showing to the world. And then for some reason, uh, we have like either diplomats or or this, the mainstream media or analysts, whatever. It's like they, they're all either apologize, uh, being apologetic or they're just whitewashing, whitewashing right? Um, this, this terrorist organization saying that, oh, they've changed uh oh this is this is the reformed taliban we have to give them a chance it just defies all logic the uh, common sense that uh this this has been happening and um you know one of the other things was uh that they promised were um that they wouldn't give safe haven uh to terrorists that they would cut off ties with 
terrorists, which is the the, stup- the most absurd thing because it's like you have to cut off ties with terrorists. They <laughs> as if they're not terrorists themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, you just blew up people for twenty years straight. Uh, you literally terrorized the country. The war on terror was against you guys, but you guys have to cut off terrorists when you when you come into power. Um, the, form- the formation, the formation of a, a suicide brigade of their own. Um, <laughs> so many more, de- so many more examples, of course. But um, I think that one stands out the most. Yeah, yeah. So like they didn't they didn't end their own terrorist activities, right? We mentioned um, how they showed off their suicide uh, vests and IEDs and stuff that killed countless civilians. But like you said, they formed uh, like they had an official ministry, like an office, right? And they had their sign up on the wall and everything. And they Mm -hmm. announced that this is our our newly formed like suicide squad of our you know general uh, army or suicide unit. Um, uh, and with that, one of the other things in relation to these, um, suicide bombers, remember when they, um, paid the family members of, of oh, suicide yeah. bombers? Serena where, Hotel. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. That's insane. It's like the people are starving. Um, there's no jobs, there's no economy, uh, there's no progress or anything. And, and what do you do? you go and you pay the family members of suicide bombers saying, thank you for what you've done in the past 20 years. He, here's, uh, I don't know how many hundred dollars for uh, blowing up uh, innocent, for, for your son who blew up civil, uh, innocent civilians. Uh, so we could, we could keep going into this stuff. We don't want to, uh, I don't want to go into, take too long on it. Um, the other thing was the general amnesty, where they promised general amnesty. Uh, that was also fake. Um, supposedly, they promised um, to to not retaliate or arrest or have revenge killings uh, against the former government officials or the former ANDSF uh, or security forces in the country. But we saw that that was also fake. Um, so yeah, n- none of this. Um, held true they didn't they didn't hold to these phony to begin with these 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 promises that were based that were absolutely um baseless to begin with um and and that's been ongoing till today uh, this this uh ongoing violence that we have seen uh, even even um the, the concept of saying some might say oh well at least the war is over and they've brought peace but uh, yeah, the U.S. troops pulled out, NATO pulled out, but uh, no- nothing. Actually, the war didn't actually end, right? Because um, we continuously see these suicide bombings that the Taliban themselves claimed for the past twenty years proudly took responsibility for. Uh, now they're coming out and like condemning it. When every other week, every other day, we see a suicide bombing in in mosques uh, all over the country. So that's uh, how I would put it in a nutshell for you. Uh, that's what's been happening since August 15th till today. Right. Ultimately, uh, Taliban 2.0 being an entire, uh, being nothing but a hoax, I'd say. Um, to elaborate just uh, uh, on one of the points there, um, I love uh, the fact that you use the word uh, conspiracy. Um if someone were to ask me, you know, what happened in Afghanistan, that's exactly where I'd start from. This whole thing, what happened in Afghanistan from last year, well, it didn't start last year. Right. Um, this was a conspiracy planned. It took some years. Um, um, and ultimately, as you mentioned, Afghanistan's government wasn't taken over by the Taliban. They didn't have to sh- shoot a single, uh, fire, fire any bullets. They didn't have to sh- shoot any bullets. Uh, kill anybody to take over. Um, I mean, on that day of the fall of Kabul. Yeah, on that day, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, this conspiracy was ultimately against Afghanistan's national defense and security forces. Um, Mm -hmm. And then um, just to expand briefly on what I mean here by, uh, you touched on this for, for sure, but to expand on it a little bit, um, it's the former president, Ashraf Ghani, not just him fleeing, but 
him along with his cronies, Alhamdulillah Mohib specifically being one of the, uh, I'd say, higher ranking amongst them. But Ashraf Ghani, Alhamdulillah Mohib, together, what they did was that they purged the entire army. They appointed uh, inexperienced in individuals in key military positions. And um, all of the personnel who were loyal to them uh, surrender their bases, bases and districts to the Taliban. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of people sometimes ask this question of, well, wasn't, why didn't the military fight back? You know, uh, the military was ready there. They have been fighting that. And we'll get to that. Right. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, um, but that's certainly not the case. Um, the people of Afghanistan have proven time and time again, uh, they're brave, uh, brave and courageous people. Um, that was certainly not the case. Um, if there was a strong civilian and military leadership, um, the Taliban would have never gained power. The the this process of disintegration, um, it started in uh, 2014 uh, when it, an illegitimate illeg illegitimate president uh, who committed industrial scale fraud um uh was imposed on afghanistan yeah um and and you know so there's absolutely there's a there, there's a strong correlation between uh former president ashraf ghani's ascension to the presidency and instability to the country um one of the i believe best uh, examples or um, uh, yeah sure the best example of of this uh, to illustrate this point would be um, the first city to fall to the Taliban Qunduz, uh, happened less than a year after Ghani's inauguration mm -hmm. I think that says a lot right it speaks volumes but um, another aspect to it as well um, and I'll conclude here um is that the 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 what's what's what the world um especially in august and september kept bringing up uh, we kept hearing the doha talks right now yeah. what, what were these talks right um what did they lead to we see now they were nothing these doha talks were a complete and utter disaster mm -hmm. a biased ethnocentrist and even former Taliban lobbyist mm -hmm. was appointed as the U.S.'s top negotiator and he legitimized the Taliban throughout this process. The Taliban receives so many concessions while what do they give up? Promises? That's all we got? Yeah. Promises that haven't been kept promises from a terrorist group yeah that's that that was the um that's the doha talks uh essentially trump ignored afghanistan and her people and allowed for zalmay khalid zad to make the major decisions uh uh during the negotiations uh, it was the doha agreement that took the last remaining legitimacy that the republic had and it paved the way for the taliban to take over the country yep. um yeah no that so that's that's i think uh we can uh conclude as far as a summary of events from august um onwards um and uh yeah, I, I remember there was a Facebook post of yours that um, on the fifteenth of August uh, that you had shared. It was a, I think that post of yours had captured um, the emotions and sentiments that we were all as diaspora feeling on that day. I you don't mm. need to go ahead and read that post uh, unless you want to, of course, but um, um. Perhaps maybe you can expand a little bit on uh, that part as well. Because um, a lot of times, you know, we hear that, um, well, hey, you have uh, Afghans supporting the Taliban or things of that sort. Would, would you say that the average um, 
person from Afghanistan, um, do they support the Taliban? No, I mean, uh, well, yeah, the, I'll definitely maybe in a future episode or at some point what we can um, discuss our uh, like that post, for example, like I'll, I'll, I'll read that. I don't have it pulled up right now. But no, uh, when people mention if, if they ask do the, do the people of Afghanistan support the Taliban, I would say, well, just look into ask the average person. But you can also look at the news when we saw, for example, uh people hanging off airplanes to escape the country uh that speaks for itself if if volumes <laughs> it's like right i mean a, a terrorist group right this, this the taliban come into the country and they they claim the country they, they they say we took over america's out uh, you would think the people would be celebrating but they're rushing to the airports hanging off airplanes to leave we see them uh flooding into neighboring countries right iran for example, Pakistan, uh, just just trying to uh, anything to get away from the Taliban, um, and uh, right. that that speaks for itself. But no, our own family members that live there, my entire extended family lives there. Um, mm. Not one person I would ever say that uh, they they're happy with what's happening. Um, so no, it's 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 uh, it's sad that they took over and and that um people some people have this misconception that this was a success and that this is what the people wanted but it's that's not true yeah um, no i yeah. think that was the best example to give to um illustrate that which illustrates the will and desire of the people of course we haven't even mentioned uh uh and my dear sisters who are watching please forgive us uh the the crimes against women specifically right atrocities against women it's Afghanistan today is the only country in the world where girls are forbidden from going to school uh, it's I believe um, either near or just uh, over 230 days now that um, girls have been have not gone to school um, yeah yeah mm -hmm. no, so yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Women are completely erased from society when uh, an ideology like this uh, comes into power. Uh, this right. is an ex exact repeat. Yeah, yeah, and just today, right? The announcement of this new, um, this new veil. Oh yeah, yeah, we haven't seen in any Islamic country or Muslim majority country in the world. But the Taliban have introduced some uh, this this covering, which is. I mean, I mean, the burko is already covering from head to toe, right? This is like, there we go. This is part of the Taliban 2.0. If anything, they've gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah. Countless examples of that. Um, but go ahead. What, what were you going to say next? No, no, no. I was just going to ask, do you, uh, we should go, go ahead and uh, call that a summary of the events, right? Unless it, would, was there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I, I think that that's, um, pretty much it in terms of, uh, a, a, a general summary of, of what's happened from August 15th and what, you know, till now, what, what's going on. Uh, obviously we'll, we'll go into, maybe we'll have a specific episode going into the, the details of, uh, the, the, the crimes and, and what, what's happening. The only other thing is, is obvious, um, uh, the hum the humanitarian crisis which the Taliban have also brought into existence, right? Mm -hmm. um, they basically Absolutely. fired everyone from their posts in terms of uh, government, local government. Um, they don't allow women to work at wherever they used to work at, um, with the exception of maybe like like one spot at the airport or something like that, right? The women are just completely banned from from working, um, from going to school. Uh, a lot of the colleges, universities were closed. So, um, yeah, the the in in doing all this, the, this the economy just collapses, right? Um, uh, and then when people say uh, they they'll mention, for example, that there's a humanitarian crisis going on. Well, if the Taliban just act like uh, a, a typical, uh, you know, a normal government, right? If they just 
allow human rights, right? Or it's something as simple as just allow the girls to go to school. Well, maybe the international community will recognize you guys as a legitimate government and therefore there will be more trade and aid coming in and 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 stuff like that but uh even even the aid that has come in we've seen there's been articles written on this human rights watch uh amnesty international i remember that they cited that the the taliban have been taking the that aid and giving it to their own uh fighters they're not yeah, giving yeah. it to the people my own family actually uh, attested to this they said um, there's aid coming in by these NGOs and, and the, the people will like go to, to this place supposedly where they're, where they're handing out aid and there'll be like a Taliban commander there telling people to go away, telling people to like go away. And they're just giving it, they're just taking it and putting it into their own cars and going off right. this. There's multiple accounts of this. Yeah, wh- uh, wh- where, where in Afghanistan is that? This is in uh Mazar Sharif. Mazar Sharif. In the North. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, um, I have a similar uh, story to that, and it's not my own family, but um, there's this university professor um, who's uh, in Paktia. Uh, he shared this with me. Uh, I believe it was in uh, October or so. Um, and uh, they saw trucks coming in with aid. You know, the Taliban uh, had received some uh, had received some of that uh, new new deliveries and. Um, mm-hmm. Even in Paktia, uh, they were only distributing this aid to their own forces, literally their their own forces, and those who supported them received aid, and that's how uh, the decision to on who to distribute aid to was being made. Um, mm. So yeah, the humanitarian crisis, of course, but we have multiple crises, um, and this is just a part of it. But I absolutely agree; we should actually have an entire episode going into all of the atrocities. Oh, before um, I forget, I I noted this down here. Uh, I think one of the very uh, important ones that we should mention even in our summary here is the genocide. Um, Historically, Hazara people have uh, faced genocide after genocide in Afghanistan, but um, uh, the revival of this genocide or the continuation of this genocide, I should rather say, Ha- is happening now as we speak uh how many uh, hazara mosques um because due to them being primarily shia muslims uh, have been bombed on f- on which day the holiest day the holiest days uh where muslims are obligated to f- pray at their mosques um f- there were multiple fridays since august till now where there mm-hmm. were blasts at these mosques right right um so the targeted targeting of the specific ethnic group um, uh, and the, the the forced displacements that have been taking place, um, that that's a big one as well. I think we should certainly include on this episode. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So if if but, if mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So uh, since we we described uh, these things that have been happening, uh, obviously this all has to do with uh, the Taliban who are in power. Um, would you mind actually maybe if you could give us a brief uh, like a summary on yeah. on the Taliban in terms of like who they are like how they came into existence um, no sure absolutely um, I, I asked my the, the dear viewers and yourself to bear with me a little bit because uh, to truly understand who this group is of course we have to delve into their history um understand where they came from why uh they were formed um and so where we kind of have to start from is uh um from the 1970s um in the 70s um uh, an individual by the name of Dawood khan um well, first of all, let me mention this, that there was a monarchy in place in Afghanistan during the time. But Dawood Khan, the cousin of the king, he overthrew the monarchy of the time and in, in, in place established his very own uh, autocratic, nah, it was a dictatorship. With, with the help of the communists, he established this dictatorship. And um, yeah, so that's that's the first thing um, 
I think as far as providing context that must be noted. Now, what happened was uh, after that was that this created reactionary forces within society um, who were traditionalists, uh, such as um, uh, the Honorable and Great Commander uh, Masood. And it also uh, created radicals like um, Gulbuddin Hikmatyar, and there were plenty of others as well. But um, um, so, yeah, during this time, uh, Pakistan realized that it was the perfect opportunity to secure their national interests uh, in Afghanistan um, by training these radicals, or two radicals specifically, one who I just mentioned, Gulbuddin Hikmatyar, and then the other being Jalaluddin Haqqani, who's the father of the infamous Sirajuddin Haqqani representing today's Tal- Taliban. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm going to move a little bit faster through this part of history. Uh, we'll fast forward through the whole Soviet um, uh, invasion and uh, all of that. We'll for sure come back to it and cover it uh, and go more in depth into it in future episodes. But yeah, so that was the climate in the 70s and then uh, 80s. We're getting to that time. So um, when the communist government started, uh, I guess, okay, this has to be mentioned, then we'll <laughs> do a little bit more of the fast forwarding. But when the communist government started disintegrating mm-hmm. uh, and a peaceful transfer of power um uh, ha- happened from from the commies to a group of freedom fighters known as the Mujahideen, um, uh, led by led by Commander Masood. Uh, one individual, because of Pakistan's interests, stood up against the, an entire consensus. Um, what this individual, uh, Gulbuddin Hikmatyar, did is he prevented la- lasting peace from being established. All of the parties reached a consensus over Afghanistan's future, uh, and it was Sibqatullah Mujaddidi who became interim president, while mm-hmm. Hikmatyar himself was appointed as prime minister. Now, what did he do? He's the first prime minister, perhaps the only prime minister, actually, certainly the only prime minister in history, to bombard his own capital for the interests of another country. Mm -hmm. How ridiculous is that? Um, Yeah, yeah, no. So um, uh, one thing I'd like to note here as well, we'll get into the, 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 we'll go more in depth into these personalities, who they were in their biographies. But um, one thing to mention about Commander Masood, Commander Masood, never fought for power or for wealth or for anything of that sort. And it was for this reason that he didn't place himself in a position, uh, any uh, in a leadership position when he and his forces had liberated Kabul in 92 and uh, allowed an individual from another party to lead the interim government. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I believe it was Professor Thomas Barfield who uh, uh, who had said that um, if Masood would have decided different, something I'm paraphrasing his words, but if Masood would have decided differently in '92, Afghanistan's history would have been different today. Hmm. A remarkable, remarkable point that uh, I think everyone should reflect on for sure. Um, and what's clearly meant here is that if he took up on any uh, leadership position instead, he would have managed the situation much better than anyone else could and would have, uh, and he would have sustained peace and um, stability in, in the country. So, yeah, so we're in the 90s now, right? Um, and by 1994, um, um, uh, so he, by 94, he was defeated um and uh pakistan realized this uh investment is futile and it won't go anywhere their investment well, in hikmatyar okay. uh, 
which was their plan A. Let's put let's phrase it as their plan A, right? Um, and so, as that f- failed, right? As a result, they 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 resorted to their plan B, which was to mobilize uh, the the young students, the young mm-hmm. students who were radicalized back in the eighties in Pakistani madrasas. Okay. Um, and in fact, this is where they actually get their name from, right? The Taliban, a literal translation of them would be um, student or what would be more proper would be to religious students, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so um, that's, a, okay, so that was from up, uh, from up until 94. And then um, from 94 to 96, uh, they, um, they put up an effort with the support of Pakistan to take over Kabul, uh, the capital city. Right. Um, yet Commander Masood, who was commanding uh, forces to defend and protect Kabul and her people. Um, so, so he was able to prevent them from entering the capital city and they were forced to withdraw uh, uh, these students, the Taliban, to Kandahar on more than one occasion. Okay. That Kandahar was there, uh, was was where they retreated to and uh, withdrew to on more, more than one occasion. Right. Um, despite all of this, uh, Commander Masood he believed in peace. He, he prioritized it. It's display. He displayed his willingness to sacrifice everything and anything for the sake of peace. And um, perhaps the best example of this is when. He went to Maidane um, Shah in in Wardak, in Wardak province, to uh, meet the Taliban uh, to extend an olive branch. He went with no bodyguard, unarmed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, though, as uh, peace was not on the Taliban's agenda. Um, that was a certainty uh, and rather they they lacked the will and the intention to bring peace um and their sole aim was total domination in a struggle for more power so that's a little bit of the um uh history oh sorry i do want to mention this one final point uh and then we'll wrap it up over here as far as taliban and their roots and all. but in in 1996 um so until 94, there was no such thing as the Taliban, right? We had some radical uh, Islamist extremists, but there was no such thing as, or the, the, the term, uh, the Taliban was, was never coined or framed um, mm-hmm. until 94. Uh, so, but then two years later in 96, with the help of um, U.S. lobbyists, Unocal, uh, Khalid Azad, uh, as we mentioned, and some other diplomats, uh, even some diplomats in the State Department, the Taliban received aid and assistance, and they started advancing towards Kabul again. Uh, they took the city in '96, um, and it wasn't like Commander Masood wasn't capable of uh, taking back uh, the city. But uh, as I mentioned earlier. This this guy, the at while being prime minister, right, starts a uh, a bloodbath and bombards the the capital city, mm-hmm. and um um he was entirely capable of putting up a strong resistance in Kabul, just uh just how how he had done when Hekmatyar was bombarding the capital, but he didn't want the people suffering any longer, as uh, they had already suffered enough, and so um. He withdrew to the north, and uh, from '96 onwards, he he led the national resistance without any sort of foreign aid, and he put up a strong fight against the Taliban and prevented them, despite all the support they were receiving, to take over the nation. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up. Uh, for now, at least, we'll go more into detail as. We've mentioned plenty already, um, and to the figures, uh, the names that we've mentioned, and to their past and uh, hi- history, um, yeah, and all of that for sure. 
so yeah, from this was yeah, like I said, from um, we we covered up until '96 uh, as far as history is concerned. Um, uh, I think from here, um, post 1996 uh, to 2001, while the Taliban were in power, we'll 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 certainly cover Taliban 1.0, right? We can do an entire episode on that, but um, perhaps it's a better idea. Maybe let's let's delve into the war on terror, right? Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't even ask you, Zoray John, uh, did you, uh, have anything to add to, uh, as far as no, the no, Taliban it, and their roots? That was, that was definitely a concise summary. Um, cause it, it, like, what was it in like 10 minutes that you, you basically summarized that it's, it, we could have an entire episode, uh, lectures on this, right. Uh, there's books written about this. Uh, so the only thing that I, I guess since you you told me to uh, we could get into uh, the war on terror, uh, what we can mention is what led up to that, right? So th- obviously we had the Taliban government from ninety six to two thousand one. As that was happening, um, they were, um, you know, a pre- the country was in a, in a complete state of uh, darkness, right? They were. Uh, we all know. We all know about the the brutalities and the 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 rule of law, their harsh rule. We don't have to get into all of that. But what they were doing in this in the process was that they were uh, allying themselves, right, uh, with um, terrorist groups, specifically Al Qaeda. Um, Osama bin Laden was in the in the country. And they were sheltering him, basically. And Al-Qaeda had set up training camps alongside the Taliban throughout these five years. Uh, so uh, Ahmad Shah Massoud that you mentioned, Commander Massoud, was fighting these uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda throughout these five years. Uh, there were certain areas of the country uh, that were strongholds of the resistance. Um, but un- unfortunately... Um, what led to before the we get into the war on terror two days before September 11th, uh, two journalists, uh, or they were undercover, you know, they were pretending to be journalists. Um, they wanted to interview Ahmad Shah Massoud. They sit down with him, and they were uh, actually suicide bombers. They had hidden a bomb in, in a camera. And uh, they blew themselves up. They blew up the the, the camera, and um, and for just unfortunately, Ahmad Shah Massoud was was killed in that attack. And two days later, September eleventh happens. Um, September eleventh was the catalyst. Uh, what what started this entire war on terror? But uh, what's if only the world listened to Commander Massoud. Yeah. I, I, Exactly. Exactly. I was just about to mention that. Um, unless you, unless you want to no, no, elaborate go ahead. on that. No, no, yeah. No. So, so basically, Ahmed Shah Massoud had mentioned uh, a few times, but um, the most recent one was a few months before September 11th that he he warned the world basically that if the international community, but specifically, he was speaking to to Bush in, at the. Um, I think it was a conference in the European Union. I he think had, it was the he, EU Parliament. Um, yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And his message was to um, to the world basically that if if the Taliban are not uh, taken care of, if if you do not assist us in combating the Taliban, that they will not only be a problem for Afghanistan for the people of Afghanistan, but they will also be cause damage to the world um meaning that like they 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 have he had intelligence intelligence that they were planning attacks on the west and of course uh a few months after he was assassinated two days later 9-11 happens so 9-11 basically um you know we we see 3,000 people almost killed in the united states the biggest attack uh, terrorist attack in in history and uh what 
what happened was that they, the United States asked the Taliban, right, the gov- who was the government of Afghanistan at the time, Afghanistan at the time, to give up the um, the ringleader, the mastermind of um, the the this terrorist attack, and the Taliban basically they said no. They said we there's no evidence that he um, committed this uh, this attack. We don't give up our our guests. We we treat them as guests, and we will not give them up. So. Sometimes you know people criticize this this war on terror, and by all means, but what they don't realize, what people don't understand, is that it was the Taliban who brought the international community into Afghanistan. It was them that initiated this war. Had they just given up Bin Laden, this war would never have happened, right? Um, so of course the U.S. invades and. NATO comes into, and we to fast forward. We have a twenty-year uh, this this war on terror. Twenty years of of uh, NATO and America combating this the, the Taliban and Al Qaeda, um, and then we you know we we have this insurgency. Uh, basically, pa- pa- Pakistan. What you mentioned earlier, where they had gone to. Uh, they had a plan A and then they had a plan B, right? They go right. back to their original proxy, which was the Taliban, right? They they invest in them again, which prolongs this war. Uh, right. We 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 see that the that the, 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 the Taliban uh, attacking civilians in in on a daily basis, right? In their suicide bombings and IEDs, roadside bombs, and uh, the, the the last twenty years was essentially just. Is instability caused by the Taliban, uh, and at the same time, the corruption. Right, we have to mention the the corruption mm-hmm. of the the government, the Afghan government, by initiated by President Karzai and Ashraf Ghani. Uh, we could go into details, but I, yeah, we well, don't the whole take... institution and the whole the... system that deserves its own episode for sure. It, Exactly. It's just it's really difficult to to summarize everything into just a couple of minutes, since this this initial episode is is gen- a general summary. But fast forward twenty years of uh, terrorist attacks, corruption, incompetency, uh, led back to square one, where the Taliban are now back in power. Uh, that's uh, as concise as I could put it for you. Yeah. No, I think that's a. Uh, great summary uh and that kind of leads us up to you know um radio resistance why are we called radio resistance right um yeah. uh history repeats itself as uh as that saying goes right um but uh while most of the world was fooled into believing there's a taliban 2.0 um that certainly i mean uh, today's uh, episode hopefully has shed some more light on on that matter for you, for for everybody, but mm-hmm. um, but the resistance, yes, there is a two point Um, on August fifteenth, we we mentioned everything in light of from the perspective of the Taliban being handed power and all of that, right? But um, uh. W- and, and of course, we mentioned, you know, how everyone lost hope, right? So when this happened, when everyone lost hope and they succumbed to the situation, the political class, including, uh, again, as we mentioned, the president, they fled and went into exile mm-hmm. that same same day. Everybody flees, right? People weren't able to see any future any longer. They started to rush towards the airport, but one man with a historic decision changed the course of history in Afghanistan. He made this choice to stay in his country, to give hope to his people that there's a better tomorrow. And he declared that even if he is left entirely alone, he will stand up and resist and not stop resisting. Uh, 
Resultantly, um, he boarded a helicopter while others fled the nation. He boarded a helicopter from capital city Kabul to Panjshir, and from there he formed the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan. Uh, and this was with um, the remnants of the uh, nation's armed forces, what was left from the ANDSF. Um, and ever since then, until now, there's been more and more of the ANDSF making their way to, let's uh, uh, quote unquote, the uh, central commander her- headquarters for the NRF of Afghanistan. Um. Zawarjan, I think uh, that that covers it for as far as uh, summaries are concerned. Um, was there anything you'd like to add as far as uh, the resistance and uh, the NRF specifically? Uh, yeah, the only thing I guess uh, this this definitely deserves an episode of its own, uh, of course. But radio resistance. Um, the whole the whole premise of it is the, the, what the name resistance right uh when we speak about the national resistance front right the nrf i think the world needs to understand what, what one thing that they don't people people don't know is that there is a people who are resisting against the taliban um as you mentioned ahmad masood is is the leader he goes into Panjshir and he starts uh, this this resistance movement. And till today, from from since the end of August till today, the NRF has been fighting, uh, not just in Panjshir, but now we've seen uh, the resistance rise up in several other provinces as well. We see it in Andarab, uh, we see it in uh, some of the northern provinces in Badakhshan, and. In the last few few days, uh, we we've seen significant victories where districts are being taken back, local districts within provinces are being taken back, um, and, and this is uh, it, the, this is really significant because these are the people of the country that are from from the local towns and, and villages. Right. Some of some of them are people who, you know, their ancestors or whether their fathers, right. Uh, or, or even some who are who are young enough, then they're they're currently picking up arms and fighting right now. So, I, I think it's it's important to note that um, if the people of Afghanistan were able to defeat the Soviet Union in the 1980s, um, it's they're more than capable of defeating this terrorist group uh, today. So, we'll we'll go into specific. Uh, stories and, and a specific episode uh, dedicated to the NRF in regards to um, who they are and, and what what their uh, their mission is. But the, the mission of the NRF should also be noted in this episode that they are a group that is dedicated to um, moderation in all things, right? Uh, a moderate interpretation of Islam, which is the real Islam, right? Islam is meant to be a, a religion of moderation. Um, a, a moderate, uh, in, in terms of a middle way, right? Uh, democratic rights, respecting human rights, uh, respecting the rights of women, including them in society and government, uh, in terms of education. This is a, a, a progressive, a, a, a forward-moving uh, basically, ideology that it needs to exist in 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 any society, but in specifically in in the twenty first century. So this is a this is something that the people of Afghanistan uh, are behind, that they approve of, and um, I think uh, Ahmad Masood is the embodiment of uh, you know a, a leader that that knows what he's doing in terms of. Uh, leading a uh, moderate movement for the people of Afghanistan. Um, and I think uh, we'll definitely go, uh, ha- go into specific episodes on different issues that uh, need to be discussed, right? Uh, in terms of misconceptions, in terms of uh, uh, history, right? And, and in terms of future plans, in terms of what the 
the NRF stands for, what this resistance stands for. Um, but that's that's all I wanted to add. And uh, go ahead. If, if you had any uh, closing remarks, then we can definitely wrap this up. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, we are reaching the hour mark uh, in a few mm-hmm. minutes. Um, so, yeah, we should definitely should uh, conclude. No, I, I, I'm very glad you brought up um, uh, or expanded on the objectives of the NRF. That's something very important as well. So when um, His Excellency uh, Ahmed Massoud uh, went from Kabul to Panjshir, um, and formed the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan. And as you just mentioned, you know, the values which they stand for. Uh, as I'm taking this directly from, from them, as far as their platform is concerned, um, Ahmad Masood, and this isn't something, the, the, at least from the first part of it, is not something that just came out of nowhere or um, um, uh, 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 the leader Ahmad Masood has been working on this plan and this platform for uh, at least the last uh, four or five years. But um, the essential principles of the National Resistance Front, uh, I would put him in uh, four top-level categories. Yes. What, what are those? Decentralization. Yes. Uh, right? So decentralized system of governance. Mm-hmm. Um, counterterrorism. Um, uh, social and economic injusti- uh, justice, mm-hmm. and uh, finally, women's rights. Women's rights and human rights. Human these, rights, yep. th- These would be, the, I, I believe, the essential principles of the National Resistance Front. Um, and one can clearly see this from uh, uh, observing and uh, uh, watching any of the actual... Um, State seeing any of the statements um, from any of the NRF officials, um, especially that of the uh, founder and leader of this movement. Yeah, uh, one other thing just before we wrap up, uh, for those who don't know, Ahmad Masood is the son of the national hero of Afghanistan, uh, Ahmad Shah Masood. Um, his uh, you might you guys might have noticed right over there, we have his 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 picture. That's that's Ahmad Shah Masood. Uh, I think I think you're wearing his shirt. Uh, who, who's that on your shirt, Kumail John? No, that's, that's Ahmad Masood. Yep, that's Ahmad Masood. The freedom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is you know this young man was in he 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 could have been overseas uh, living uh, a normal life, right? In terms of uh, whatever pursuing education and having an actual like a full time job that the rest of the world has. But he decided to come into his country and defend his people the same way his father did. So this is a, a, an honorable and a very, uh, this is a movement and a, and a decision that deserves all the respect in the world. And uh, I, I hope, um, you know, the world will recognize this and support this man and support this movement. Because this is the the only shot that Afghanistan has in uh defeating this terrorist ideology and, and bringing freedom to the people yeah. of Afghanistan who, who rightfully deserve uh, right, their right. rights and their freedom. Yeah. As um, uh, MLK uh, as mentioned or has said, uh, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And uh, therefore it's a um, human responsibility of everybody and anybody around the world to today stand with the National Resistance Front of Afghanistan, and which is essentially standing with the abandoned um, uh, former uh, National Defense and Security Forces of Afghanistan. Um, yeah, again, we're uh, we're one minute away from it being an entire hour, um, which is fine, but um, I. I you know, earlier you, you mentioned that part, part of the purpose of our podcast, right? Um, uh, as far as closing remarks on my end, I'd like to just um, mention um, exactly, as you said, you know, mi- uh, shedding light on those misnomers, those misconceptions, those misunderstandings, um, spreading awareness, uh, exposing these, those lies and those misconceptions, 
And ultimately, the purpose of our podcast here is to provide the voiceless people of Afghanistan a platform and give these voiceless people a voice. Um, yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, yeah, I think I think that should be it. And uh, unless you have uh, anything else, I think we can... No, no. Uh, I think everybody who has joined us um, for tuning in today, um, this was the first of uh, many episodes to come. Uh, please, uh, if you did enjoy today's episode, uh, do not forget to hit the subscribe button. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we're available on Spotify, uh, Apple, and YouTube for, for now. So thank you, guys. Um, so, Rajan, if you had any closing remarks. No, thank you. Thank you all for, for tuning in, and we hope uh, to be with you on the next episode. The resistance continues.